0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Stick it out. In the end, you'll get somewhere. It's that daily grind. You're just going to, for the first three years, you're going to grind and you're going to think nothing's improving, nothing's shifting. And then it feels like suddenly
1: everything just kicks into place. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but Grab your pen and notebook, because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I'm back. I've got Barry Cuckoo here on the Kings stage. My brother, Barry, how you doing? Good, thanks. And you, Chaz? Doing wonderful. It's a, it's a Monday. I, oh, I love Mondays, right? Because we just yeah. to go right back at it super hard <laughs> again and recharge the hill. I usually uh, I do a little discharging over the weekend, and I had a little birthday party for one of my little girls this weekend. So. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, it was a great weekend and, and we're back at it. But I'm glad to have you here with us, Barry. You've got such a unique background and story and business. I cannot wait to get into this conversation. Tell us what kind of business that you got, my
0: brother. So we have a uh, software as a service business and we exist to help the smaller companies optimize inventory levels in their warehouses. Love. So generally you find people have too much of the things that don't sell, too little of the things that do sell, They're not, they don't have a disciplined ordering process and so on and so we we helped them with those kind of analytics to to get their business a bit more
1: yeah the software as a service they'll SaaS. yeah for somebody who isn't familiar but i love what you guys do because obviously my my involvement over the years in retail whether it be my my retail franchises or just the other stores that i've worked for even before i was even old enough really probably where i should have been inventory is a big deal And, uh, and keeping organized and knowing what you got, um, and being able to work through it actually is probably a whole nother level that you guys are able to help with. So I love that. And, and we've got a lot of retail folks that have been guests on the show. I'm sure there's plenty of retail folks that are listening. So maybe, maybe some of them will be a great connection for you, but Barry, I want you to answer this question for me as we get started. It's always my first question Mm -hmm. and it's why. Why did you build the business? Why are you in business? What's the bigger picture? What's the deeper motivation? I don't know how many different ways I can say it, but what are you, what are you doing this for, buddy?
0: So like I said in the beginning, we really do exist to, to help these companies. So in the previous life, we had a business where we did much of the same kind of thing, but for much larger enterprise type businesses. And that was kind of the world before software a service, service, before the cloud, before all of that stuff. Yeah. And we would go and sell a company a $500,000 piece of software and another $500,000 worth of consulting and, and really helped them. And the founders of MedStar kind of, we all left that business and did some other stuff. And then we got back together in 2010 and we were like, yeah, let's go do something. But what could we do? And obviously we know this business pretty well. well yeah. And we realized that there literally are thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of kind of smaller businesses that have the exact same problem as those big guys, right? Okay. They also have inventory problems and so they also have purchasing problems. All of that same, that like they have the day-to-day struggle of fighting fires and so on. Right. But if you only have a million dollars of inventory in your warehouse, it's basically impossible to buy a $500,000 piece of software, right? If your business is just not at that scale, right? And. And so what we wanted to do is, is, help these guys. And I think in, in 2010, when we started, three things really came together that, that made this possible. So first of all, software as a service became a business model that people started working with and accepted it in the, in the marketplace. Yep. The cloud became something that people started trusting. Before that, even when we started, it was a bit like, Ooh, are you sure you want to send our data to the cloud? And these days, everyone just goes, yeah, take it all. The cloud became possible. And the third thing was your web browser became a, a delivery mechanism that was actually use, useful. Right, and so, and so we started this business to help the smaller guys with a small monthly fee instead of this big front fee and we tried to make the software a lot more user-friendly and easy to adopt than having to have all these consultants come for six months and sit in your in your your business to to help you yeah and i think what happened especially if you look at the the landscape now probably in the last 10 to 15 years there's been this seismic shift in especially retail but also wholesale where data became the the most important thing Right. If you look at a company like Amazon, they're probably a data company first and a goods and a warehousing and a tracking and all that second. But, you know, Amazon probably employs 10,000 data scientists. Mm -hmm. And so they have the people who can look through all those masses of data and understand and, and help them. Where the smaller guys just, they just don't have access to that. It's just impossible for them to even get onto the same playing field, never mind compete. And so... It is our mission to, to really help and arm these little guys with some software to also compete in the market. Jazz, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a world where there's Amazon, Walmart, and, and, and that's it. I want to, I want a diverse ecosystem where lots of people can thrive. And, and that's really our mission. And it's been our mission from, from day one.
1: I love that. And, and you're right. I think that uh, helping, helping that so uh, that bigger pool is a huge leverage point and i think i think also too that there's probably a little bit more fulfillment it sounds like in that because you could just go work with a whole lot less companies probably a lot less headache too and do the bigger deals but helping those smaller guys like you said really does impact like local communities and local absolutely like, jobs and all that type of thing yeah
0: absolutely and and, and that's important if, if i look at some of the feedback that we received from our, our customers is you'll see some of that stuff on our website if it wasn't for netstock i don't think our company would have survived COVID and all the lockdowns that kind of that that makes you feel like yes we're doing this for to make a difference it's not just some job that you do and and, and take your salary check at the end of the month yeah and that's that so it it does it does make it a lot more fulfilling when there's a small company that that can say without your software we we wouldn't have been there and how many families are affected by that kind of that kind of state yeah
1: exactly what about for you individually, as the as one of the co founders and and business owner? And I know I know your your fulfillment is attached to the business's fulfillment. But <laughs> well, why, why why do you do this every single day? It's it's interesting. It's I would say I
0: even as a teenager I was really into tech and I wanted to do that nothing else but tinker around with computers and so on. And for me, I found a way to to use that curiosity my curiosity in that to turn that into a business to 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 do to do something and to help so it's really about the stuff I really enjoy I mean I've learned a huge amount about business in the last 13 years since we, we started Medstock but it's still I'm still in the tech side of the business and I'm still that's interesting and how can we leverage the latest technology to to help our customers even better so that's that's really That's really my contribution to the business is is
1: on the tech side. Love that. Love that. Well, let's talk about the story here. I mean, I'd I'd love to hear how you and entrepreneurialism kind of combined or combusted, if you will. But obviously, you said you started with a previous company. Just give us a little bit of the story.
0: Yeah. So I don't know how far I should go back. But... As a young teenager coming out of high school, I was—I was born in South Africa, was raised, raised in South Africa, and at that time, when I was 18, was the time where apartheid fell, right? So it, I was—I lived through that whole transition from an apartheid government to a democ- democracy. Yeah. And at the time, everyone suddenly realised, well, hang on a sec, we need to do some fix the, the injustices of the past. And sure. one of the way, one of the ways was in those days affirmative action, which later became like economic empowerment and so on. And at that exact time when that started happening, and people said, "Okay, we need to educate the previously disadvantaged people. We need to give them jobs. We need to elevate them into management and 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 so on," was when I was about to go into university, and my my parents didn't have a, a lot of money, and they couldn't afford to send me to university so right. and suddenly all of the the bursaries and so on dried up because of the political change in the country yeah. and so what i did is i started part-time job and i started studying part-time and, and making paying for my studies that way i could still live with my parents but i had to I get a job to to do that so with that kind of background i i realized very quickly that there's not going to be some job to me on a plateau Right. when I when I graduate, and my my thoughts always started going into all right, if that's not going to happen, I have to do this for myself right, right. and 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 build something or, or, or so on so that's kind of where that entrepreneurial spark in me started and I think i I tried maybe a little bit too early to to start businesses because I think you have to work in a business for a while to understand some of some point of business before you can start your own right yeah if you if you read the email that's a very <laughs> a very good summary of oh yeah i'm good at this so let's build a business and and building a business has got almost nothing to do with what you're good right at. right and so so i i probably started a bit early but i was always involved with more entrepreneurial people and so on and and then working at this company where we did this software for the big businesses was also a small company in fact looking back now they're much smaller than what Medstock is now and i fitted in better in in those smaller entrepreneurial yeah. do what it takes voice counts kind of business right and yeah and so that business got bought by a, a massive kind of enterprise business and all of us didn't last very long i think i lasted <laughs> like 18 months or two years. And I was like, no, I can't do it. all like, this yep, out. <laughs> bureaucracy, all that. I can't do that stuff. Yeah. And again, I went out on my own. I, I did, if you, if you look at Robert Kiyosaki, reached that word at the quadrangle, right? So I, I went into self-employment, which is probably the worst part of that four <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: quadrants you can be in. And I just did, I did freelance work and I just, and it was like, oh, it's amazing. You're your own boss. I'm like, no, I've got 10 bosses because i'm working on 10 projects at the same time that's right and unlike a normal boss these guys can just not pay you okay but i learned a lot of the technologies that we use to start netstock at that point so i think i've always been entrepreneurial it's interesting i don't think any of my family are entrepreneurial my dad started at a a company a state-owned company and retired there 43 years later one Wow, employer It to me that blows my mind how do you how do you stay in one place for 43 years so i don't know i'm a bit of an outlier in my family i I
1: yeah yeah well i think a lot of entrepreneurs listening probably feel the same way yeah that they're the outlier but mm, what i what i heard most in your story honestly barry is that all these pieces kind of lined up to mm-hmm. where like maybe maybe individually they were yeah, i mean somewhat connected maybe still in the same vein of tech but Like you were here, 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 and then all culminated to like, man, I can use all these things together now to not only serve a certain type of business owner, but one that I enjoy in a space that I really like. And guess what? I got to study some, some great things that are applicable for, for what we get to do now. And so I'm, I get to build something that uses all the pieces of my story. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this same thing in their journey. So I guess my question to you, someone, maybe somebody's listening right now and and they feel like they're they're in the midst. Obviously, we're always in a journey, but mm-hmm. maybe they haven't reached that point where they're like, okay, I can pull from like three or four pieces of my history now, put them all together yeah. and make this offer or do this business, whatever it is. But what would you say to that person? So it's, it's like you going back however many years where you didn't quite have all the pieces yet, but you were still putting yeah. it together. What would you say to you or maybe that person listening right now who, who's not quite there yet?
0: It's interesting. I, I can't remember who, but I read in a book somewhere that if you, you can either specialize and be like the top 1% of your field, the, the best of the best of the best, like an Olympic athlete, which there's only a hundred of them in the world and there's 8 billion people, or you can generalize and be in the top 30% of Two or three different kinds of non-related fields but if you can combine those three things together you you automatically become that that one percent and i think that's kind of what happened for me it's like always been interested in the tech landed in the business that did inventory optimization and management and became quite interested that it's it's, there's a lot more there than what meets the eye to start off with and then also spending time with entrepreneurs and building businesses and so on. And I think that that point of you can combine three different things and make something new, that's probably pretty good as a, a realization where I think often in school or, or university, the focus is to, is, to, is to specialize in one thing, get your PhD in a very small subsection of something big. And I, not, nothing wrong with getting a PhD, but it's, it, that's the kind of focus that they do is, is focus into a very thin sliver of a niche where that's not the only way to succeed. Right. And, and if, you, if you can keep your eyes open and think of how can I apply this in this field, a different field, I think right. there's some opportunities there yeah. to do something in, in life.
1: I love that perspective. I think that even in my own journey, I can look back and whether it's retail or real estate or sales or operations, inventory, like all these different areas where I'm like, okay, well, these are all very different. But when you yes. just put them all together, you're like, oh, wow, I can, I can have a conversation with any entrepreneur in mm-hmm. any industry just like this yeah. and have an amazing conversation because I've not done it all per se, but I've, I've done a bunch. So it's like, yeah. wow. I can Absolutely. have an intelligent conversation across the board. Interestingly enough, guys like Barry say the same thing. Pull out the three things that I've done in my past and be able to kind of push them forward to to the next version of myself. So, I guess the encouragement for the listener is whether they've realized it or not that they're building those two or three or four blocks and then mm-hmm. eventually at some point you can look back and go, "Okay, well, let me let me take those couple of blocks, put them together, see what that builds." Yeah. And
0: and sometimes it's not even that conscious. I- I, I, I'm in awe of the unconscious mind, right? If I, if I go to bed with a problem, I'll wake up with a solution. It's like your mind doesn't stop at night. It just keeps chugging along until it finds a a solution. And your, for me, it was very much an unconscious mind saying, Mm -hmm. suddenly coming up with, oh, but if I put this and this together, we can make something else that doesn't exist or doesn't exist in this form. And, and this might be useful. Look, it could have failed there's no there's no guarantees but at least you can always attempt to to put those things together and and do that so it wasn't like a conscious oh i've got these three experiences let me put them together and it's 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 kind of yeah the the unconscious
1: mind i think is it's a very fascinating thing oh yeah yeah i just spent uh, a little bit of time this past weekend um Mm -hmm. with a, a contact that i made actually he was a guest on my show probably Few two, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. But we we spent some time together here this past week. And he's he's a mindset guy. Uh, we talked Think and Grow Rich. We talked subconscious mind. We talked autopilot, auto suggestion, all this stuff, which has um, been a big part of both his and my success. And so yeah. I think that uh, you're 100% right. We start looking for solutions, whether we realize it or not, Mm -hmm. And so I guess it lines up exactly what I was just saying to the listener is that uh, whether whether you realize it or or not, not. you're, you're, you're putting your story together. So that's the encouragement there. Barry, I want you to, I want you to put yourself in a position here. I'm going to ask you some questions practically about decisions, but I want to know if you were to look back uh, of a good decision that you made, something that uh, hinged. And, and after you made that decision, you can look back and it was like an upward trajectory of success. It doesn't mean that everything was perfect after that, but. What was sure. that one decision practically inside the business that made a big difference?
0: For, for, for NetStock, I think the, the thing that, that was a vector to success is getting together founders who are very, were skilled in different disciplines, right? Yeah. So there was me in the tech side of things, there was Tony on the sales side of things, and there was Andy on the operations, you know, and I see too many people, especially in, in tech who can build the best thing, probably a world-changing piece of technology, but no one knows about it. No one, no no one, one can sell it. sell it. And it goes nowhere. Yeah, um, that's right. And then you get someone else who builds something that's maybe not that good, but it's well-marketed and well-sold, and that business takes off. And, and it's, it's so unfair. But you have to understand that the tech by itself is, is not enough. And the same thing the other way. So it's no good having the best salesperson in the world but they've got nothing to sell, right? And it's no good. You have a good product and you can sell it, but you can't operationalize it. So for for me, I think that was the way that the founders came together was probably one of the, one of the best decisions.
1: Yeah, that's incredible at the time. Yeah. And so what what's the what's the takeaway for a guy or gal listening right now? Maybe they're small business. Maybe they're big business. Maybe they're already a couple of years in. Maybe they've had a large amount of success. Maybe they haven't. They're still in the building process, but they're hearing what you're saying as far as like the different skill sets. Yeah. Do they go out and try to find other finder, founders now? Do they, do they try to incorporate other people on their team now? Are they taking personality assessments? Are they looking at experience? Like how does that, how does everything you just say go into them putting it into work? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, it's, um, you,
0: you, you probably can start the business without all the people, but very soon you're going to either have to give us away some equity and get a co-founder, or you're going to have to employ someone to fill that gap pretty quickly. And it's, it's, it's seeing how how quickly that becomes important, right? You can probably build software in a closed room for six months, but after that, it needs to start getting out, right? Otherwise you're building probably in a direction that no one wants and you need to course correct. So it's, it's not long before you need that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say, oh, do these assessments or personality traits or, or whatever. This is where I suppose your, your personal network comes in. If you know someone or if I know someone who's, who can suggest someone to, to work with, that's yeah. far more powerful than even two hours of interviews with someone. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's probably also about who you know or, or about who they know, which is, which is important.
1: Oh. Yeah. I think you start tooken, taking a look at uh, leverage, right? Not only just the leverage of somebody that you know, or someone that you might know, but yeah. what is it that their skill sets or their leverage or their network brings to the table? Yeah, How can that be beneficial? I think even just inside of our Gathering the Kings mastermind, I can think of... Four or five or six collaborations. I've got. There's a couple of real estate guys across the country that are building a brokerage in a different state together. Oh, and wow. there's a couple of guys that I'm doing some deals with here in the Midwest. There's a couple of guys that I'm doing some some projects, some real estate projects with. It's like there's a there's a guy up in in Minnesota that needs a a, a huge water feature for a big development that he's doing, and he's hiring the the big water feature guy that's in our group from Colorado. So it's like, yeah, to your point, whether it's an actual partnership with equity or You're just collaborating with the right people. You start, you start looking at who is the right fit. And I think that you hit it right on the head is uh, you start looking into your network. And of course you can interview, and I would highly suggest that building a team. But when you start looking into your network, you can really quickly, if you've been building a network and you've been serving and and adding value to people around you, there's typically some hands that go up that maybe want to do a deal with you.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. It, It also comes back to that, that thing we talked about earlier, where you have different mindsets coming together to build something right. same with your network. you don't necessarily have to go i don't have to go Chaz, do you know someone who can be a cfo for me i can just tell you about my business and then yeah, right. something in your mind clicks and goes i'm sure you need a cfo and I, I i just have the right person so it's right. very much it's not it's not as direct as please help me out it's like talking about you know stuff with other people also makes their mind a little bit to that unconscious part.
1: Yeah, 100%. I love what you just said because what, whether you realize it or not, you're like marketing, gathering the kings for me, which is great. I love it. <laughs> because this is exactly why I started it. In all seriousness, yeah. the actual mastermind or the subconscious of getting together with two or three or 20 or 30 other people mm-hmm. and being able to throw up a situation, right? Because yeah. again, Barry, you, and you guys like you and I, guys at seven and eight figures, it's not like I really need you to tell me what to do. Although sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes there's things that you practically know that I don't. And that's super helpful to be able sure. to pass back and forth. Sure. However, the more important or the more powerful leverage is if I can get in a room with a guy that, from tech and a guy from construction and a guy from real estate and a guy from whatever industry. And mm-hmm. I throw up a situation and I get these little counterparts and I go, hmm, that's really interesting. And then I can go back and start architecting culture inside of my own business based on all these experiences. It's like wow, that like that, that's not in a book somewhere. You can't find that type of value in a book. Am no, I right?
0: Absolutely not. Yeah, it's 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 a whole nother level of like you said. It's almost like a hive mind. Yes, that you can tap into. And if you can just be part of that, like the Borg in Star Trek, you know, everyone's connected. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. Exactly. Well, I'm the beneficiary of of each of those moves is the collective. It's not just yes. the one guy who is throwing up the situation. It's, it's the whole room that gets to hear the yeah. whole room. So I yeah, love that perspective. What about Barry, a bad decision? Something that you did face on the palm. Can't believe I did that. I would never do it again. <laughs> we can learn from it. What, what is that? I, I think I'm gonna go back to that, that founder
0: story. I think we took too long to bring marketer on board. Mm-hmm. So we were good at sales, and we had some network and and that kind of thing. And but marketing is a is a I think was a blind spot for us, right? And if you think about it, yes, if you if you can't sell the product, you're not going to get any revenue. But if no one right. knows about it, or you can't generate some interest in it, yeah, then. Yeah. You can have the best sales team sitting there doing nothing because who are they going to sell to, right? So That's right. I think we sh- we could have gotten a marketing department, even just one or two people, years before we actually did, and I yeah. think that would have been really beneficial to us. Yeah, to, to have done that, way.
1: Yeah, I think I think that I agree with you. Not only just from my experience in in business, but also just being able to see other businesses mm-hmm. on this show, as well as just the hundreds of others that I've encountered that. A lot of times you just needed more attention. I mean, right. I could even say the same thing about myself. It's like here we are building a podcast. It kind of just started just to help people, and yeah. now it's like, well, wait a second here, more <laughs> people knew about the show than more people know about just all the things that I'm connected to. It's marketing, and so yep. I think that is- tell me if you agree with this, Barry, because I think at least for me, here's a lot of my hold up when it comes to marketing is that marketing feels like I don't know. It's the, it's the slimier version of sales. Like you you think sales, you think used car salesman. And and I've been in long enough in sales where as long as you do it ethically and you have a process, you can actually serve and you can help people. That's all good. But over here, there's like this whole new wave of quote unquote salespeople now in the marketing area, especially online. And you're Mm -hmm. like, look, this is just oil, right? Like they, they, it's, it sounds really good. And then when you get in there, they, the system, the, the, the program doesn't actually help me do my inventory or it doesn't, It doesn't, it doesn't help in all the areas. And so it's like, gosh, dang it. I need another tool to to couple with this tool or you get into a mastermind group. And it's like, you know what? Ah, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's just really good marketers out there. And, and, but then it's like the reverse. So guys like me, it's like, ah, we, we hesitate on the marketing. Maybe you would agree with that.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's, especially if you're a technically minded person, coming back to the emoth idea is engineers don't like salespeople and they don't like marketing people right because what's their exposure the exposure is someone phones them out of the blue and go hey i've got this new insurance for you right they go ah oh, please just block leave me alone i hate these people or they're browsing the web and there's all these ads and it's irrelevant stuff and it's it's so for them for for technically minded people marketing and sales are just it's obvious right? it's, it's we we don't need that right so, so, I think that is the, the the kind of mindset that keeps you from venturing into that, and because yeah. I didn't know what what marketing was all about, especially on the internet, right I knew there was a thing called google ads and right. and there was banners and that kind of stuff, but I didn't really understand how it all worked right. until we got someone into the business and yeah. and she started explaining it, and she was like. This is how we do this. And this is why we do this. And you're not, you're not lying. You're just, you've, you're tailoring the message so that it lands at your, your audience. If you, if you say the same thing in their language, they will resonate, right? So it's like those kinds of things, which I was pretty oblivious. Give me, give me a piece of code and I can reason about it, but give me a person. And it's a whole different story. And never mind, give me a million people that are telling trying to show the same message to yeah that's right i think that's that's where that hesitation comes from is people are often on the wrong end of or bad marketing bad sales and they go i never want to do that my business is going to be ethical yep yeah and dead (laughs) and dead (laughs) so so yeah so it's, it's a education i think a lot of entrepreneurs need to go through
1: yeah I want, I want to make sure the listener just heard you, you said it, and we were both laughing about it, but I want to make sure is that even though the person listening right now may not be the person to sell or the person to market, you said you had to go find somebody. Not -hmm. only just that, even inside of that, as you learned what they knew, you now knew the value of being able to market. Not only just because it was reaching more people. Okay, fine. We get that logically. Mm -hmm. But it is, it, is a, it is a language. Marketing is a language. Sales is a language. Yeah. And, and if you don't press into those things, you said the business is going to die. Or it's just going to always stay so small to where you're just kind of just over and over and over doing the same things. Yeah. It's always hitting the same ceiling because you kind of have to break through with a pipeline. It's like if you're just not filling the pipeline with more and more and more eyeballs, which then turn into more and more sales. Mm-hmm. You have no real processes that you need. You have no real hiring that you need. You don't you don't need to fill out anything on the back end because you don't really have much of a business, would you yeah, agree?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the the issue, right? You can be the hamster on the wheel. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who really live from month to month, right? Every month it's it's a worry. Are we gonna be able to make payroll this month? Right. It's, and I think when you're in that mindset, it's also very difficult to say. You need to spend a hundred thousand dollars on marketing right what's my return gonna be i don't know i don't know but it's probably probably gonna be good but we don't know right? right so it's it's very tough to get your mind around that kind of thing or when when the first time i employed someone earned a lot more money than me right that's a that's quite a mind shift but you know, those people are so worth it. And and that's what you you need to like change. If you want to get through that ceiling, you have to
1: start thinking a different way. Yeah, I love that. Barry's giving you guys some, some major nuggets here right now. So I hope that you guys are paying attention. I want to go over to the speed round here. My first question in the speed round is always KPI related. I yeah. say it like this, Barry. I want to know if you could only pick one thing to track forever and ever and ever, what would that one thing be?
0: Oh, it's an unfair question, but I would say... <laughs>
1: You're right it is
0: <laughs> gross dollar retention.
1: Ooh okay give us give us give us some give us some deets on that.
0: So so in a in a SaaS business obviously you live on your recurring revenue right that's 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 what it's all about. But if you have what we call a leaky bucket in other words your customers churn and yep. you lose that recurring revenue you either have to make a lot more sales to get to keep the level at least the same or it's slowly gonna gonna drain out so so gross dollar retention really is about the, the the value of my recurring revenue one year ago what how much of that did i retain? so if my recurring revenue was a thousand dollars a month one year ago and i now have 900 dollars a month of of that revenue left mm-hmm. then my my gross dollar retention is ninety percent, and if you can get that as close to a hundred as possible, your business will be in a good shape. Of course, there's net dollar retention that goes with that, but you ask for one, one KPI. So no, that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can you can I guess filter down in your decision making metrics what those other ones would be. What would you say to the company listening right now who maybe doesn't have monthly reoccurring, but maybe services people. What they think is one time, but it's like, oh, maybe once every two, three, four years, maybe they're selling a house, maybe they're yeah. building a deck. How does that person incorporate your thought process?
0: I suppose if you, if you can sell to the same people again and again, right? So if you can have a business that you sell a house to someone, but guess what? Anyone who's a homeowner knows I'm going to need someone to fix that toilet probably in the next three months, right? So maybe you can be the broker to the plumber or the, and the electrician and the general constructor and so on. How can you sell, how can you be the, the trusted advisor for that client, right? So that when they need other services, they'll come back to you. And if you do that well, when they want to sell their house, guess who they're going to go to, right? They're not going to go to someone else. They're going to go, I trust. I trust Chaz, I don't want to go back. So it's going to be, that's going to be important. It's a relationship, I think.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. Because eventually they do sell their house or their mom buys a house or their yeah, whoever. Absolutely. And uh, that relationship is what will make the difference. And so whether the relationship pays you seemingly once or if it pays you every month, either way, whether it's whether it's a, a recurring business model or whether it's a one-time, quote-unquote, we know it's not one time, but you know the one-time, yeah, uh, sale both ways you're creating an experience to keep the level of value high do you do any specific like one or two things or maybe it's mindset on the back end to keep that that percentage as close to 100% as you possibly can
0: yeah so for us it's all about our customer success so we've got teams across the world whose only job is it is to make our customers successful right so we 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 learned early on that if you can onboard a customer properly, they will be sticky for a long time. But if you just throw them a piece of software and go figure it out, Mm -hmm. they're going to churn. So, so number one is the onboarding experience. It's the most important thing. Once the customer's onboard, they get to that first value. So we, we track that time to first value. When they get to that first value, that's important. And if that's when we add more value than we ask them to pay us on a monthly basis. That's right. After that, it's the general support and then kind of coming later on is professional services. So what happens in our business is people start, u- start using the software. They start getting some benefits and then they go, they ask the bigger question. So, okay, I've got my, the, the general stuff in under control, right. but should I open another warehouse? Or should I, is it advisable to, to add another product line to my, to my business or something like that? And that's where they, they will come back to us because we've, we've seen this with thousands of customers and we have far more experience than one person can have. And so professional services come back. And if you can give them good professional services, if you can onboard them properly, give them support. And then obviously your product needs to be updated and stay relevant and and so on. Then your customers... customers stay we we have to earn our customers business every month or some of them once a year but most of them every month so
1: yeah
0: we work hard at that
1: yeah i think that the obsession around the client journey or the customer experience is is what has made a lot of companies great Mm -hmm. and so i i appreciate your your highlight to that what what book or resource would you recommend barry for a business trying to grow
0: good to great do whatever to becoming a bit more systemized that's that's how you're going to grow you're not going to grow By treating everything as a new challenge, you're going to grow by finding the challenges that are common and making a system out of that to automatically those things must happen. Like the marketing, the marketing must produce leads every day. The sales guys must have this process and so on. So, so that's yeah, some, some good insights there. And in the beginning, it was the e-myth and rich dad, poor dad, when I was a teenager and all of that kind of stuff, but to grow there's a, there's another mindset that,
1: that you need to start getting into. Yeah. I love that. Love the difference in thinking as well, because you're hundred percent right. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? It's something I've done quite a bit in the past, especially in South Africa. And I
0: think that like, like we spoke about earlier, it's not about, it feels a little bit like intentional, it feels a bit like, what can you do for me? And, and I'm only going to speak to the people who, who look like they will be beneficial. Right?
1: Right. That's in, in more... networking specifically, I assume you Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's more about, it's more about just gathering around people on the same kind of level as you. Cause that's also the other thing. If you're an entrepreneur, you're doing, you, your business is starting to do well, it becomes quite lonely, right? You can't talk about certain things with your staff because they're just not at that level. And right. there's fewer people in your circle, your family, circle friend circle who are have those same kinds of problems so speaking to other entrepreneurs or other business owners or CEOs or or whatever you can you can you can talk about stuff that they can relate to which is which is really useful but that so the it's, it's almost the unintentional consequences of talking to people like I said someone hears something and then when they have a problem or they know they get yeah, know, someone else in their network, they all talk to you or you talk to them or that kind of thing. So I think it's, yeah. I, I think it's, it's usually beneficial. Usually. Yeah.
1: Understood. Okay. Got a question for you around family. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, there's this story that we tell ourselves as entrepreneurs that we got to be all in. And I think we all are, right? Like that's why we're successful. But how do you go all in on business and family at the same time?
0: It's, it's probably one of the toughest things you'll do in your life it's 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 i'm not gonna lie it's not easy so what you what i'm i'm absolutely incredibly privileged is to have a wife that that really supports me right yeah. there's no ways i could have done this without her support It's just no right. and and luckily she's also quite entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and she doesn't do a nine-to-five job and so on so when i jump at at 8 p.m. and I run to my computer because something just, and I start <laughs> doing. Got she to real quick,
1: write it down. Yes.
0: She's not all about, no, come back to the family. You must play more Strabble. It's like she <laughs> she gets it. So, so it's, and, and we're very open, you know, we very open communications and we talk about stuff and, and, and it's great because I can talk to her. about. Oh, today was so hard and this and that happened and, and she will listen or she will give advice or feedback or or whatever and and that's that's really important to to have that and in the beginning of the business whenever we went somewhere on holiday as a family my laptop went with me and i would check emails every morning and i would reply and and do whatever i needed to and then spend time with the family right right and it, that's just the way it is, and I remember one one day I was sitting in a in a coffee shop in Cape, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, if you if you don't know. And I was so it's a coffee shop, a small road, and then the beach and 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 the wow. sea. And I was like looking out over the beach, and I was like typing on my computer. And someone walked in, and, and he said to me, very derog I didn't know this person, right? Very derogatory. You shouldn't be working. You should be enjoying the view and the and the, the thing. And first I was taking it back. It's like, who are you and, and uh, will you tell me what to do? Yeah. And then I said to him, don't you think it's an amazing privilege I have that I am able to do my job without having to sit in a cubicle somewhere. I can do that right here on the beach, right? So you can, you can look at the same situation in two ways that's right. and that's, and that's important for that, that balance. You can either say, oh, you have to take your laptop to vacation, or you can say, isn't it amazing? We can actually be on vacation, even if you have to do a few emails in the morning, you're not stuck in an office. So that's a kind of a mindset change that you need to do. And so my daughter's a swimmer and especially in, in primary primary school, in beginning of high school, every, in, in swimming season, every week is a swim meet, right? That's right. And I don't know if you've ever been to a swim meet, but it's like sit there for six hours to watch your kid swim for three minutes, right? <laughs>
1: Yep, but it's like a track meet.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, same thing. You know, so it's important. It was important for me to do that. So to it's just, to just like the one thing that I could do and show her that I'm there for her and, and so on. She's now a teenager and she doesn't want to meet anywhere near school. And that's fine. But I think you can. you can... I don't think this balance is... It's very easy to achieve or should be achieved, right? But there's a, there's a way that you can still incorporate both parts of your life into, into one. And it, it really helps to be, to have a supportive family, especially a
1: part. Yeah. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. I got one last question here for you, Barry. If you could whisper in the younger Barry's ear, (laughs) what would you say? Stick it out.
0: It, it, in the end it you, you'll get somewhere it's that daily grind you're just gonna for the first three years you're gonna grind and you're gonna think nothing nothing's improving nothing's shifting and then it feels like suddenly everything just kicks into place That such a good word
1: barry how can the listener find you number one if they are a first off tell us maybe the, the lane of business that you service best that way they can find you and and get you mm-hmm. Your, your software as a service and and then also tell us where we can find you if we want to just pick your brain and, and have a business conversation
0: absolutely so we we really help distributors importers that kind of thing retailers and light manufacturing or kitting that kind of thing so if you if you buy a few things put, put it together as a kit and then sell it those are the kinds of businesses obviously if you have some inventory if you only have 10 items we're probably not going to help you that much you can do it on Excel but if you have a few thousand SKUs and things Things become a bit more difficult, and you need to to do some forecasting and understanding. We can really help you with that. So, yeah, retailers, distributors, and light manufacturers. The best place to get to get me is on LinkedIn. And don't email me; it's it's email, That's just a it's a waste. Bad, time. <laughs> uh, it's a disaster zone. My email inbox. I I don't know how people do inbox zero. I've never. I'll never be able to get there. So, or you can tweet me, or go to our website and and to get in contact there. Love it.
1: Well, Barry, I will put all that in the show notes for the for the listener to be able to connect with you. But also, if you are one of the listed businesses, for sure reach out to Barry. I've I've been in businesses of my own as well as worked for other companies that don't have inventory management solutions, and you want to talk about probably an instant value. <clears throat> so definitely link up with Barry if that makes sense. You've been incredible today, like just honest and just gave us some really great feedback. I love the answers about family. You are someone worth knowing and and I just spent a little bit of time with you here today. It was incredible. So Barry, uh, blessings to you, your family, your teams, uh, everything that you put your hand to here in 23. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you, Chaz. I really appreciate that. And thank you for
1: your time. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself doing it all on your own carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 kings, specifically, who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.